Howdy, folks, and welcome to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb, coming at you from Eureka, California. As always, joined by Michael O'Neill in Syracuse, New York. Welcome, Michael. Hey, David. Boy, it's good to be on this program. You know, it really occurs to me, Michael, we literally go coast to coast. And this show is going to be really fun because we're going to touch down in Utah, almost equidistance. Uh, but to just show that the United States is a continent, not a country, we're joined by Brendan Phillips in Utah, a organizer with the Green Party of Utah, but most importantly, new ballot access coordinator for the Green Party of the United States. Brendan, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So, Brendan, I have the privilege of getting to know you a little bit over the last couple of years and the amazing work that you've done. But I suspect that many of the viewer listeners of The Green Way Forward may not be familiar with you. So I'm going to start with an opportunity for you to introduce yourself. But before we even get to that, a direct appeal to you, the viewer listener, a reminder that you're watching us on Facebook Live and or listening to us on a podcast. If you are listening live on Facebook, please right now go to your own page and share this on your page and any page that you manage. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, make sure to share this podcast with anybody else that you think might be interested in non-corporately filtered news information and analysis. And lastly, the website, agreenwayforward.org. Sign up so that we can continue to build this audience. Brendan Phillips, I got a question for you. What in the world made you decide that you were going to try to literally restructure society and become a peaceful revolutionary? Well, you know, I think the biggest thing was having children. Um, I wasn't really all that politically involved before I had kids. And when I had kids, I became a stay-at-home dad. I spent a lot of time at home with my kids. And um, I wanted my kids to have a planet to grow up in, you know. And I also found myself with a lot of free time at home that I could dedicate to trying to make that happen. So about three years ago, I really started to get more involved in this work. Um, and boy, it's it's been a wild three years since then. <laughs> I got to say, Brandon, like the answer to that question, having kids and then making sure that they have a planet to grow up in is about as real as you can get. Uh, and I want to thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability uh, on that question. Uh, and it does bring me to like to follow up to say, why did you decide to make the Green Party the focus of your effort uh, to make the world a place where your children could go grow up? Well, the two major parties are terribly, terribly corrupt. Admittedly, I used to be a member of the Democratic Party, and I put my organizing ability towards trying to work with that. And that quickly became apparent that that was going to be an unsalvageable thing. Um, I've always kind of been a bit of an anti-authoritarian. I've kind of always been an outside-the-box individual. And the Democratic Party and the Republican parties are the box that I was seeking to get out of. The Green Party platform connected with me. I started to get more involved with the party and found that the people in that party connected with me. Um, and now I've found people that I can organize with, that I can connect with, and that I can make social change with. I didn't have that in the Democratic Party. So, Brendan, I actually happen to know a little more of the detail because you really went all in 
with the Green Party actually in 2016 around ballot access. I'm going to ask you, what were you doing at the beginning of the spring of 2016? Well, I was a Bernie supporter and I was caucusing for Bernie and I was doing that work. And it became apparent really, really early on what was going down. Uh, the, the fix was in. And I, you know, wanted to have a candidate I could vote for in November. And I saw that I was likely not going to. And I, it was that time I thought, you know, I started looking into the Green Party and learned about Jill Stein and realized, well, she's not on the ballot here. Uh, what's up with that? And so I started trying to organize to get Jill on the ballot. And that snowballed into trying to get the Green Party of Utah on the ballot. And now here I sit as the ballot access co-chair three years later. Um, so let me leap in there. Work of trying to get on the ballot, you know, everywhere. Let me leap in there, Brendan. So I, I just want to take a moment to underline that um, as someone who is supporting the Sanders campaign within the 2016 Democratic presidential primary, you saw the barriers to democracy and democratic participation, even within the Democratic Party, within their own members. And of course, that was also borne out uh, in the lawsuit that was uh, filed either by the Sanders campaign or on, on behalf of Sanders supporters, where the Democratic Party leadership in court said, well, it's our party. We set the rules however we want to. And fairness be damned in so many words. Would you say that was a, that's an accurate kind of reflection or, or summary of your experience uh, as a Sanders supporter in that primary process? Absolutely. You know, I came in with a lot of enthusiasm with a lot of other people who had not really been involved in this work with a lot of enthusiasm. And we came into a party that was not welcoming to us, that did not want us there, that wanted us to shut up and go away. And they took every opportunity to silence us. I saw that even at the local level. And like I said, it was apparent really early on what was going on. You know, they they had an agenda and it was not Bernie Sanders. So let's underline this. That's what they, David, if I can just finish my point, uh, that's what they did to their own members. So what can you, you know, I want people to imagine what are the, the Democrats in cooperation with the Republicans doing to people who are actually challenging the duopoly cartel that's been established by the corporate parties. Uh, sorry, David, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, not at all. You're not cutting me off because it's really actually part of the conversation, folks. I mean, if you're tuning into a Green Way Forward, we're assuming that you are either a Green Party member or at least green friendly or green open. The point that Michael is making, uh, that Brendan has made, and that I'll make myself, and that is this. Even within the Democratic Party, the reality is that progressives are at best tolerated. They are not welcome. And the leadership of the Democratic Party is part of the problem. Uh, throughout all of history, what we found is that the leadership of the Democratic Party are actually part of the neoliberal corporate agenda. They will allow tinkering at the margins. But if you want systemic transformational change, the leadership of the Democratic Party would rather lose to Republicans than they would allow an actual progressive to be the standard bearer. And that's what Bernie Sanders supporters have actually experienced. And that's the reason why I think this whole notion of ballot access is actually so important. Because, Brendan, I know that you uh, were talking about your the importance of the Black Agenda Report and your esteem for 
uh, Bruce Dixon. Uh, and I'm going to ask Michael to make sure that we drop that link into the comments section because there is a history of why ballot access is so important in this country. I'm going to ask you, Brendan, like I'll ask the open-ended question. Why in the world is it so hard to get on the ballot in the United States of America? They don't want us on the ballot. They want to maintain their power over our electoral system. We represent a threat to their power. And they will make it as difficult as possible, not just to get on the ballot, but to stay on the ballot. And if that's not good enough, they'll raise your filing fees. They'll do whatever they can to keep us out because we bring new ideas that they're not ready to, to deal with. And, and here's what kills know, me. me. This is why it's so important that we understand, folks, that ballot access is an issue that all progressives should be working on if you're dissatisfied with the two-party system. Even if at the end, uh, in any particular election, you find yourself sometimes voting for uh, a Democrat, understand that if you want to see more choices, if you want to hear more voices, actually the importance of alternative parties what some people call third parties, I like to just call alternative political parties, our ability to be on the ballot is actually a fundamental human right and a fundamental political right. And here's what kills me is that you'll have folks who identify as progressives and they'll say, well, I'm all for third party, but this is a two party system. And they say that while they participate in a, a the two party power structure which perpetuates rules that systematically oppress and repress independent candidates and third parties from just getting on the ballot, and we won't even get into participating in debates. And so while people like, say, Bill McKibben, I'm just going to name him, who opines on Twitter about, oh, well, you know, they can vote for Greens in Europe for the European Parliament because they have a parliament. No, it's not about whether or not they have a parliament bill. It's about the uh, the rules for ballot access and debates and for voting that perpetuate the two-party cartel here in this country. And so, uh, you know, Brendan's work as part of the ballot access committee, I'm really interested in, in hearing kind of what's the front line for for ballot access in the Green Party in 2019 and going into 2020. Uh, you know, what what's the lay of the land uh, as we're looking at things right now? Well, as we stand right now, we're on the ballot in 20 states, which means there's 30 states plus D.C. that we need to get on the ballot in. Um, that equals roughly 800,000 signatures that we have to collect all across the country. If you put that in terms of dollars, you know, a conservative bid on signatures is $2 a signature. So we're talking about $1.6 million worth of signatures that we have to gather over about the next 14 months. So we're talking about a serious financial investment, volunteer investment, and time investment that if we don't make it, our candidates can't even be voted for. And you know, Brendan, this is where I have to jump in as somebody who worked my butt off trying to prevent George Bush from invading Iraq uh, and having U.S. bombs drop uh, on that country. Uh, the, the reality is it was easier uh, for Iraqis to get on the ballot even before and after the U.S. invasion than it is for uh, ordinary people to get on the ballot here in this country. So this sort of notion of ballot access as a, as a fundamental political right uh, and how it's denied to us really matters. And 
uh, I want to make sure that we actually have a quick conversation uh, about to, to really put it into context, uh, because I know that in Arizona, we actually, as Greens, had a phenomenal candidate that we wanted to take to the voters that we never got a chance to. That's right. We had a candidate in 2018 in Arizona by the name of Eve Reyes-Aguirre, who was going to run for Senate on the Arizona party ticket. Now, Arizona had ballot access at the time. You know, in most states, when we obtain party access, we can run our candidates. And that's that's the end of it. They pay a filing fee. Well, in Arizona, Eve had to collect an additional number of signatures, even though we had ballot access. She had to collect 1,200 more signatures. She collected the required number of signatures. The you know, Secretary of State validated them. They told her she was going to be on the ballot. But then the Democratic Party challenged those signatures. They hired a big money lawyer to bring this case. And the Arizona Green Party and Eve didn't have the financial resources to really put up a battle. And she was removed from the ballot when the party had ballot access. And that just goes to show you, you know, they're, they're really out to keep us off the ballot, even when supposedly we have ballot access. Now, you mentioned Arizona. Uh, I know that's one of the places that we're currently petitioning right now. That is correct. We need to collect 31,000 signatures by February. But they actually have a new piece of legislation that's coming through to move their primary date forward. And if we wanted to have a green primary in the state of Arizona, we would actually need signatures by November of this year. 31,000 signatures. And so, you know, every time um, a party feels like they're getting somewhere, there's a new bill that's passed. It just never ends, you know. So, Brendan, we have someone who's already written in the chat that they want to uh, help out with petitioning uh, for whomever needs it. Uh, We've got Jessica here in the chat. Is there a place that people can go online to be a part of, of ballot access efforts, uh, no matter where they are, whether they're in the state where the effort is being waged or out of the state, uh, what are some initial ways that people can get involved? You can um, sign up to volunteer with the Ballot Access Committee on our Ballot Access Committee webpage, which is gpus.org forward slash committees forward slash ballot access. There you can find out information about your state, you know, what kind of obstacles you're facing, what your neighbors are facing, and you can sign up to volunteer. Those volunteer sign-ups will be directly routed to the GPUS Ballot Access Committee and will help you get involved. But also, it really happens on the ground. You need to be involved with your state party. You need to get with your state party and see if this is something going on in your area and see how you can help. Because we need people on the ground to actually collect the signatures. So I have a question for you, Brennan. If somebody like Jessica is willing to go all in and let's say her life, uh, and I'll just make the assumption Jessica is a, a, a female person, let's say that Jessica says, I'm willing to go all in. Could you put her somewhere uh, to petition? If like, Could you t- send her to Arizona or Ohio or any of the trouble spots? 
I think we could. You know, that's going to be a big thing in this is, is regional solidarity. States that have ballot access need to help their neighbors wherever possible. If you're capable of going to a neighbor state to help, you definitely should. If you're in a state like California that's ballot access is secure, we need you in Nevada. We need you in Arizona if you have that capability. The ballot access committee can help facilitate that. We hope to put together crews so we can go help do these sort of states that need our help. So even if your state's on the ballot, we've still got plenty of work we can do. do. So, Brendan, this leads me. So we talked about Arizona. Where are some of the other places where we're petitioning right now? Right now, we're also petitioning in Ohio where they need to collect 53,000 signatures. That is another hefty state. We're petitioning in Maryland. Uh, We're also petitioning in Alaska. We will soon be petitioning in Wyoming and Nebraska as well. So there's a lot of places this work is already happening. So uh, my question then is, if there are places that it's already happening, are there any places that are like really keeping you up at night? Are there any places that you're like, oh my God, this is where we're really asking for the help? Well, recently what's been keeping me up at night was Texas, which was the most restrictive state we have. Uh, It was like 86,000 signatures in 75 days. However, there's legislation coming down the pipe to potentially put us on the ballot there, which would be a tremendous success. Um, So now I'm kind of being kept up at night, waiting anxiously for the governor to sign this bill. Um, beyond so that, you Arizona- we were just talking about how Democrats want to keep Greens off the ballot, and yet you're telling me that they're about to change it to make it easier to get on the ballot, and even it'll be retroactive. So how do you square that? Well, um, the major parties, as much as they like to keep us off the ballot, they also like to use us as a pawn in their little game sometimes, right? They think that they can manipulate us to suit their needs. And so in some places like Texas, Republicans might prefer to see us on the ballot and they want to get us on the ballot where other places they might not. We've seen this in other places, too, where, um, you know, they want to use us to meet their own goals. Well, let's and just so I want to break down what the, the governor what, probably wants to see the Green Party on the ballot in Texas. So I'd like to break down what the situation is in, in Texas. So you've got. um basically a reduction of of uh, the requirement of from five, getting 5% of the vote and was that for a previous statewide election what was that uh what was that 5% for it was for a statewide election okay so you needed 5% of the vote in a statewide election just to get on the ballot that uh this bill has reduced it to 2% of the vote in a statewide election. Uh, now, what was the statewide election that the Greens recently uh, ran where they exceeded 2% of the vote? They ran a candidate for the State Railroad Commission by the name of Martina Salinas, who exceeded that threshold. So if this bill were passed, it's it's uh, retroactive. She would have met the threshold to maintain ballot access. So if it passes, basically, we're on the ballot. We've already met the threshold. All right. So kudos to her in, in running that uh, fantastic statewide campaign for Railroad Commission. And, uh, and kudos to the, the Green Party of Texas and, and, you know, helping to wage that campaign. Now, uh, now you're saying this is 
a this was a Republican vote in the legislature to to uh, lower this you know draconian uh, stricture on ballot access in the state of Texas. That's correct. The bill was basically voted straight down party lines, and the Republicans proposed the bill, and Republicans voted for the bill in the House, in the Senate, and all of the committees. All of the Democrats voted against this bill, except for one. So all all of the Democrats, all the true blue Democrats in the legislature, all the progressive Democrats fighting for progressive values— voted against this bill, which uh, would be enabling greater Democratic participation in the state of Texas, which, you know, any progressive that it lives up to the name should be in favor of. Is that correct? But, but, the, but those Democrats voted against it. That's what you're, you're telling us here. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Well, that's what... You know, to really, to really put this in the context as a texan i've got who actually worked on ballot access back in 2000 to help create the green party of texas what's particularly galling to me is the knowledge that the reason that texas has such grisly bare ballot access laws to begin with was because of la raza unida a latinx based party from south texas where corporate white democrats were ruling over majority Latino populations and began to actually elect people to office in uh, Crystal Beach and uh, throughout counties in Texas and were part of the growing movement in the late 60s and early 70s. And literally the Democratic Party at that time, when they were in complete control of the state, created ballot access laws that basically kicked these Latinos off the ballot and completely undermined uh, the growing political independent movement of La Raza Unida. So, like, Brendan's point is well made, and for those of you who think that we can somehow magically just work with the leadership of the Democratic Party, I really point out I can work with progressive Democrats, rank-and-file members of the Democratic Party on issues, but when it comes to the leadership of the Democratic Party, they are more interested in destroying the Green Party than they are at even beating Republicans. So, listen, Brendan, I want to make sure that we give you a chance to actually talk about some of the things that you're looking at and thinking about doing uh, as the newly elected coordinator of the Ballot Access Committee. Oh, boy. Well, there is much work to be done. Um, I feel that the committee needs to take a more organizer-minded approach to our work. Um, I have kind of felt like what we're largely doing is uh, just getting reports from states and we're letting the states kind of do their thing. I want to see the ballot access committee take a more hands-on approach to helping these states get on the ballot. Like I, I mentioned, you know, regional solidarity. I want to see people working across state lines. I want to see us communicating. Um, I want to see National taking an active role in helping state parties get the word out about what they're trying to do to recruit volunteers and really to educate about ballot access, because this is really an issue that a lot of people just don't know about. So, you know, we need programs that teach about this. We want to do a workshop at the A&M so we can teach our members about ballot access. We need Hold to on. some of our viewers may not know what A&M stands for. It's the annual national meeting. It's our meeting where we 
gathered all the greens from all across the country every year to workshop and talk about issues. And it's a great opportunity to, you know, pick each other's brains and share information. So we're going to hopefully put together a workshop there where we can educate our members about what ballot access is, what kind of steps we're taking to um, overcome these obstacles. Um, we got to utilize our media. We've got to utilize our fundraising. And this all has to work in unison. You know, um, ballot access has to work with coordinated campaign committee. We've got to be able to work with fundraising. We've got to be able to use all of our different tools we have to fight this very important fight because without it, we don't even have candidates to support. So let's tease out a couple of those concrete actions that people can take, even if they're not in a state where there is a, a ballot access fight. Like, so instance, I'm in New York State. Uh, Howie Hawkins was our gubernatorial candidate last year. I had the honor of working on that campaign. We exceeded the 50,000 votes needed to retain ballot access in New York State. So we're good in New York as far as ballot access goes for the next four years. But as someone in New York, without ever leaving my state or even the city where I reside, uh, I could uh, participate in a distributed phone bank organized by the Ballot Access Committee. Uh, I could help out online by, say, um, maybe you're, uh, you've got a place where they're, they're signing up uh, recruits or new people to the party in the state uh, where they've got sign-up sheets at the, you know, the county fair or tabling at the farmer's market or whatever. I could be data-entering scans of those into the database for either the national party or for the state organization that's uh, running this ballot access drive, and I could be helping to research the ballot access rules for a particular state through the uh, websites that you know all, all the state governments have uh, that has this kind of information. So those are a few ways that I've in, and really anyone through the power of the internet can participate in a ballot access drive from hundreds or even thousands of miles away. Uh, Brendan, are there any other examples that uh, you would uh, suggest for people as, as ways that they could get involved? You summed it up really well. I mean, you can phone bank anywhere in the country. You can text bank anywhere in the country. But also, we need people with special skills. Like, we need graphic designers. We need content writers. We need people who are savvy with social media to help promote this stuff on social media. Even if all you can do is sit from your couch all day and post on Facebook, that is of use to us. We can use that. You know, everyone's got skills and we've got ways to use them, no matter what those skills are. That's fantastic. Folks, I want to remind you that you're watching and or listening to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb, joined by Michael O'Neill. Uh, we've been speaking with Brendan Phillips, who is the newly elected coordinator of the Ballot Access Committee and organizer with the Green Party of Utah. And as somebody who came up during the anti-globalization movement, I just got to say, you were also uh, the grandson of the golden voice of the great Southwest, somebody who I saw perform and uh, was really inspired by. That's Utah Phillips. Uh, I hope that uh, Utah Phillips is looking down uh, and smiling at the fact that you're still fighting that good fight, uh, Brandon. Our time has just flown by. I do want to give you an opportunity for any final thoughts uh, that you have to the viewers and listeners of A Green Way Fall. Yeah, I would. I encourage you to please get involved in ballot access. And I just want to briefly share a quick story to illustrate why I think it's important you do it now. Um, like I said earlier, I, I was a Bernie supporter, you know, and I 
I, I, I got out early and I helped the state of Utah petition to get on the ballot, right? Well, we, our deadline in Utah was August. The Democratic National Convention didn't happen until August. Now, when I was trying to petition between the months of May, June, and July, I heard from a lot of people, we need to wait and see what happens with Bernie. We need to wait and see what happens with Bernie. I want to wait till the convention and see what happens with Bernie. If all of us who supported Bernie had done that, the Green Party would not have been on the ballot in Utah because we would have missed our opportunity. The deadlines are early. In Arizona, it's in February. In many states, it's June. It's July. This work cannot wait until August of 2020. So I implore you, if you're thinking about, you know, riding it out with Bernie or riding it out with Tulsi, I get it. But if it comes down to it and the DNC, again, decides to conspire against your individuals, you want to make sure you have someone on the ballot to vote for. So we need you to get involved with ballot access now and make sure that you have that voice on the ballot come next November, because the Democrats are not going to make sure of that for you. Thank you so much for that, Brendan. And uh, thank you again. I also want to thank you, Michael, for the work that you do as both co-host and engineer on the show and invite you for any final thoughts. Yeah. Thank you, Brendan, for all the work that you're doing and, and all the work that everyone on the Ballot Access Committee is doing. Thank you for peeling back kind of the curtain that conceals a lot of the ways that the two-party cartel restricts independent alternative voices in our electoral system and perpetuates the mythology that, uh, you know, well, this is just a, th- a two-party system or that, um, you know, the 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 struggles of independent candidates and third parties is simply to do with, you know, our own limitations or our own problems, as opposed to the systemic repression that is perpetuated by the two party cartel. And finally, I want to share some good news briefly uh, here in my uh, home city of Syracuse, our, uh, our common council, which is the name for our city council just voted to uh, implement a amendment to our city charter to implement independent redistricting for our city council seats here in the city. And they're following the Austin model for independent redistricting, which uh, progressive groups cite as the gold standard. So that is a, it's a Democratic Party controlled uh, city council here. So I do want to give credit where credit is due to those local elected Democrats for voting to implement independent redistricting and uh, will be the first city maybe in the Northeast to have this. Uh, the next step will be for the voters to vote this through in a referendum in November. You can be sure that the Green Party here in Syracuse will be fighting uh, to turn out the vote in favor of that referendum. And I want to be working with Greens across New York State and in other parts of the country to see if we can get this passed in other places as well. Thanks so much, Michael, and thanks for sharing us that good news and for being willing to acknowledge when progressive Democrats or uh, independents or even you know good rep- principled Republicans do the right thing, they will be acknowledged and applauded uh, and cheered on a green way forward, just as when they do the wrong thing, they will be jeered. So you know we are we call it the, as we see it here on a green way forward. And I want to thank Ellen for writing in with her comment that there should be a minimum of four to six parties on the ballot, a minimum, she says. And I want to thank all of you who have been watching and listening. And a reminder with a hats tip to Gil Scott Heron. The revolution will not be televised. 
but it can be brought to you by sources of non-corporately filtered news, information, and analysis like a green way forward. Please do share this live stream if you're watching on Facebook, on your own page, or any page that you manage. If you're listening to a podcast, make sure to share that. And in the meantime, keep on keeping on. Get involved with your local or state Green Party. Help ballot access anywhere that you can because you can help us. We need you, but you need us. Peace. A Greenway Forward is broadcast live on Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time from Dr. Jill Stein's Facebook page. Subscribe to our podcast and e-newsletter at agreenwayforward.org to make sure that you never miss an episode. You can also find us and rate us on iTunes, with more podcast platforms being added each week. Our theme music is Retro Future Dirty by Kevin McLeod, whose fine music can be found at incomptech.com and is available for use under a Creative Commons attribution license. This is Michael O'Neill for David Cobb reminding you to please spread the word about A Green Way Forward and to send us your thoughtful questions and comments to agreenwayforward at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.